0: I know we've done a lot of these 2024 Dynasty rookie mock drafts with landing spots recently. But this one, we actually got some running backs in it. So we figured we would break down Chad Reuter's three-round NFL mock draft from NFL.com. And of course, if you guys are familiar with this channel, what we're going to do is do a two-round dynasty rookie mock draft based on the landing spots and the draft capital that NFL.com's Chad Reuter outlines in his NFL mock draft. So we'll link that down below in the description. We've done a couple of these over the last few weeks. They're obviously a lot of fun. They give us, you know... uh different scenarios to work through. This scenario is one where running backs got a lot of good draft capital, which is a scenario that we haven't really practiced yet. So it should give us an alternate perspective on kind of how rookie mock drafts would go if Chad Reuter is indeed correct. And these running backs go higher than we think. I tend to think this probably won't happen, but it's good to be prepared for any and all scenarios regardless. So excited to get into this one. Uh, Danny, how are you doing?
1: Doing well, doing well, and yeah, as you guys will see, it is very fantasy friendly. And like Corey said, I'd be shocked if it actually materialized like this. So, before you guys go into the comments and say, Oh, what are you guys doing with this mock? This and that, it's like we're having fun, we're mocking out a scenario. If this did indeed happen, guess what? All of you guys that invested into 2024 rookie picks would be looking pretty good,
0: yeah. So, just enjoy it, just pretend that this is actually going to happen because it's probably not going to, but again. All the running backs getting high draft capital. It's possible. It's not within the range of outcomes. So we might as well get practice for it and see how rookie drafts would look as a result. So before we get into it, as always, leave a like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Now let's hit the intro. All right, so we are into the mock. You guys can see Chad Reuter's three-round NFL mock draft on the right side of the screen right there. You can see all the quarterbacks that went in the first round, all the wide receivers, as we mentioned in the intro, a lot of running backs that got very good draft capital in this one. So we're going to go two rounds. We'll probably actually have leftover players because we're actually using a three-round mock. So we'll talk about some of the guys that we didn't get to at some point during this as well, I'm going to kick things off with the 101. Again, we're going to try and limit the amount of like player takey stuff for these top guys just because we've already done a couple of these over the last few weeks. Caleb Williams goes to the Chicago Bears. Nothing really new here. I expect this to be what actually happens. We've heard reports that the Bears are going to need a Godfather offer to move off of 101, which tells me that they're actually looking for Caleb Williams. They're looking for their top quarterback in this class and they're going to try and move on from a guy like Justin Fields. So, Caleb, Will, uh, Caleb Williams going to the Chicago Bears. He's going to actually get a number one receiver added to this team to go along with DJ Moore, who's already in-house. Cole Komet, who's already in-house. You know, they got some young running backs that are exciting as well. So very good landing spot for Caleb Williams. He would be a pretty easy click here for me at 101 in an actual Dynasty rookie Superflex flex draft. And, uh, assuming, of course, that this all materialized.
1: Yeah, and I mean, t- uh, talk about the landing spot there, landing in Chicago. Uh, new offensive coaching staff. I believe they hired uh, Shane Waldron as their new OC, and what that does. Obviously, we've seen Shane Waldron in the past work with some, uh, some successful quarterbacks. I'm really trusting him in him and being able to develop Caleb from an early output. Not to mention, we'll talk about uh, the teammate that he added in this mock. We'll talk about DJ Moore. We'll talk about you know Cole Komet being a solid tight end option. A very much ascending Bears offense. I think that's the proper pick at the 101. And I kind of alluded. To to the fact that he did add a teammate in this mock the bears end up trading up to 103 i believe the deal was like 109 plus justin fields plus another pick to go up and get 103 from the new england patriots marvin harrison jr is going to be the pick if the bears on draft day are able to leave top three overall picks with caleb williams and with marvin harrison jr guess what chicago is going to be having an absolute parade because that would be the ideal spot for both these guys marvin harrison jr you can make the case oh target competition dj moore's there I don't really care if Caleb Williams is going to be the potential top five quarterback in the NFL. We think he can descend into and Marvin Harrison is going to be this generational wide receiver prospect. I still think the ceiling is looking at a legitimate 1500, 1600 yards, 12, 15 plus touchdown seasons. If Caleb Williams is able to hit his apex as a passer.
0: Yeah, of course. And, you expect Caleb Williams to hit his upper range of outcomes. Cause how many first overall picks are able to walk into a situation where they have a stud receiver already veteran wide receiver, like DJ Moore, and you add a potential superstar like Marvin Harrison. And like you said, there's surrounding pieces there. There's a run game that you can work off of. Shane Waldron's been successful in the past. Although JSN didn't really have a whole lot of nice things to say about him. Uh, recently, I will say that this is probably unrealistic. I can't imagine the new England Patriots would actually give up the third overall pick for Justin Fields, the ninth, 90- overall pick and whatever other uh draft capital they did we did actually see houston kind of make a similar move to this they get their franchise quarterback they get another blue chip talent in last year's class with will anderson so this is kind of following the same uh you know uh, anatomy of that deal that we saw with will anderson and the cardinals straight up last year so i really like the move for chicago and i think if you're a yeah. chicago bears fan you'd be absolutely ecstatic welcoming a franchise quarterback and a franchise number one receiver into the fold for your offense but yeah um Little unrealistic. I still think it's it, it's very exciting and very fun to talk about.
1: Yeah. As happy as Bears fans are going to be about the scenario, I am. I'm sure Patriots fans aren't going to be too thrilled giving up on number three overall with, you know, all the hype I've seen from them about getting Marvin Harrison Jr., getting like a Jaden Daniels or Drake May. Obviously, Jaden Daniels wouldn't have been on the board in this mock, but the guy that would have been on the board, and I'm assuming you're going to go with number three overall, I'll let you take it away.
0: Yeah, I'm going to roll with Drake May here. And again, another interesting scenario we're hearing from, you know, Daniel Jeremiah, Mel Kuyper, these guys that are actually connected to the league that, you know, Uh, NFL teams are not excited about next year's quarterback class. They are excited about this year's quarterback class. And there's going to be teams, the Broncos, the Raiders, the Falcons, whatever teams are kind of in that back end of the top 10 early in the teens that are going to try and move up for one of these top quarterbacks, whether it's Williams, Jaden Daniels, or Drake May that ends up sliding. My money would be on Drake May right now, because it looks like the NFL is kind of in lockstep that Caleb's the top guy. And Jaden Daniels seems to be very highly thought of by the NFL as well. And we're also hearing reports that JJ McCarthy might be the top guy or the second guy on a couple people's boards as well. So for my money, it looks like Drake May could be the guy that ends up sliding a little bit in the draft. He still goes fourth overall here to the Denver Broncos. They're able to trade up and go after a franchise quarterback. I love this fit from a coaching standpoint. From a weapons standpoint, they have some work to do. They don't really have a solidified number one receiver in-house right now. I mean, Cortland Sutton is good, but they would probably need to add more pieces around Cortland Sutton, Marvin Mims, Greg Dolchich. It's fine. There's something to work with there. It's just not... Overly, it's not Caleb Williams, what he's going to be dealing with here with Marvin Harrison and DJ Moore. But regardless, Drake May going to a Sean Payton like system where he can play on time in rhythm. I mean, Sean Payton's never really had the type of quarterback that has the accuracy and has the arm talent that Drake May has, in addition to the athleticism that he would present as well. So, very fun landing spot. And I could see Drake May being in a Denver Broncos uniform. We know the Broncos love them, some 6'5", 220-pound quarterbacks. They love their prototypes, like John Elway and Drake May kind of profiles as that prototype quarterback.
1: Well, I mean, it's pretty simple for me for why the Broncos would go with Drake in this scenario. Like you said, you're getting that 6'5", 230-pound quarterback with the arm talent, with the accuracy, with the processing ability that he has. In a division where you're going to have to be competing against Patrick Mahomes, you're going to have to be competing against Justin Herbert. You're going to have to be competing potentially in this scenario with a a Raiders first round 13th overall draft pick here. You need to be able to invest in the quarterback position. The Russ experiment didn't work out. Love the Broncos getting aggressive and getting their guy here with Drake May. So if he had fallen to 104, he would have been my pick. Now at 104, I'm really caught between two guys, 12-man league, super flex. So the quarterback position is obviously going to be valued. So therefore you, if you want to, you can go with Jaden Daniels. I know a lot of people will have Jaden Daniels higher respectively than we do, but I can't pass on my number two overall wide receiver here, landing on the Arizona Cardinals, 12th overall draft capital, we're going with Malik Neighbors. And I've already talked about at Nauseam how I think he is a Brandon IU clone. I've seen people throw out the Odell Beckham Jr. comp. I really do think if he can refine the nuance in his route running, an Odell Beckham-like ceiling is well within the range of outcomes for a guy like Malik Neighbors. This guy's explosive as all hell. And landing in an Arizona Cardinals offense with Kyler Murray, the creative plays, the explosive plays that he can bring down the field, I think he can develop into a 1,300-yard wide receiver for Kyler Murray. a Kyler Murray, who I think is one of the most disrespected quarterbacks in the NFL in this current landscape.
0: Yeah. Neighbors had a a lot of experience with the scramble drill, working with Jaden Daniels at LSU. So that would be something that he could bring to the table for Kyler Murray, who of course, I mean, Kyler hasn't really had that, that uh, receiving option that he's been on the same page with all the time. We expected Marquise Brown to kind of be that guy because they played together in college, but for one reason or another, Kyler got hurt. Marquise Brown was banged up throughout. We only really saw those like first six to seven games of 2022 with Marquise Brown when DeAndre Hopkins was suspended, where we saw, um, you know, Marquise Brown and Kyler really on the same page. And Marquise Brown was producing legitimately back end wide receiver one numbers. And Malik Neighbors is basically, Mar- uh, you know, Marquise Brown on steroids here. So Ma- uh, Malik Neighbors going to the Kyler Murray situation would be a lot of fun. We've expected it and we've seen it at number four overall. They end up trading down here with the Broncos and get him at number 12 instead. So Steel. love that landing spot for Malik Neighbors. I'm caught between a rock and a hard place here because we have a prospect who I'm not high on in Jaden Daniels. I think the NFL is too high on Jaden Daniels right now. But at the same time, I'm not going to pretend I'm smarter than everybody. I realize that his market value will be extremely high because he's a Russian quarterback. He gets second overall draft capital in this situation here with the Washington Commanders. You have Terry McLaurin in-house. You have Jahan Dotson in-house. They actually drafted another receiver in the second round of this mock draft too. So it's a very, very good um, you know, landing spot for a young quarterback to potentially develop. And I think Jaden Daniels still needs a lot of work. And part of the reason I'm out on Jaden Daniels is because he's already an overage prospect who needs a lot of work, which presents a lot of red flags to me. So I'm going to make some people angry here and I'm actually going to go with the much better prospect still at a premium position. We're actually doing this from a half tight end premium standpoint. And I'm going to take Brock Bowers getting the absolute nuts landing spot to the Los Angeles Chargers.
1: Yeah, I mean, just talking about the Fick real quick, obviously you made the uh, the click with Brock Bowers. Um, I mean, you're landing on a Justin Herbert, Los Angeles uh, Chargers-led offense with a new head coach that has revolved his passing attacks around elite tight end play like we've seen throughout his tenure at Stanford when he had Kobe Fleener, throughout his tenure at San Francisco when he had Vernon Davis. He goes to Michigan. We've seen you know, the the uh, uh, level of production from guys like Jake Butt, from guys like Eric Gall, from guys like Luke Schoonmaker, from guys like Colson Loveland. The central focus of a Jim Harbaugh passing game revolves around a do-it-all tight end, because what that offers you is versatility in your personnel. If you line up in 12 personnel, well, guess what? If you have one blocking tight end and one tight end that can block, but could also be a primary focus in your passing game, that leaves a defense really caught in a hard place, because you want to match personnel. You want to bring the big boys on the field, well, guess what? If you bring the big boys on the field and Brock Bowers is that tight end, Brock Bowers can kill you in space. That's why I love him landing here with Jerem Harbaugh, with Justin Herbert. I think he can legitimately develop into the tight end one overall in Dynasty. However, with that being said, given that it's a super flex 12-man league, I will make the pick of Jaden Daniels going here at the 102 spot. Goes to my division rival with the Washington Commanders. And a lot of people are going to throw around the A-rich comp. And I feel like from a rushing perspective, I can see it. It's just the only problem is Anthony Richardson in terms of hype last year and why he ascended so much was that he was this six foot five young prospect with Jaden Daniels. You got this slender frame. You got an overage prospect, obviously phenomenal season this past year being the Heisman, but I have a lot more reservations about his game than I did of a guy like Anthony Richardson. So before people go in the comments, and like, well, you're having him fall to one Oh six. And now we're seeing Anthony Richardson go in the first round of startups. I don't think it's a parallel situation. However, Landing in Washington, new uh, uh, coaching staff there, Dan Quinn. Obviously, Cliff Kingsbury hired there as the offense coordinator. Very, very good wide receiver core. I can see this being a team that really trusts Jaden Daniels in terms of overall volume, whether that's getting him involved in the passing game, whether that's really using the quarterback run early. I feel like we're going to see Jaden Daniels get eased into the situation here. And if he does end up hitting his top end percentile, we still have a very good wide receiver core, and we still have potentially 800 rushing yards to lean on.
0: Yeah, and to be perfectly clear here, Jaden Daniels would 100% be the in the 102 to 104 range in terms of market value yes. if this were to happen. If he got second overall draft capital of the Washington Commanders, he would 100% go higher in startups and higher in rookie drafts than Malik Neighbors and Brock Bowers. However, if I was picking 104, if I was picking 105, I would probably trade down to 106 to secure one of those top guys, or maybe even to 107 to secure Romo Dunze as well. So for me. The way I look at Jaden Daniels in this scenario is that, yeah, he would probably be market value ranked there at 104, 105 for a lot of people. So what I'm going to do is, as we talk about all the time in rookie drafts, I'm not going to try and outsmart the market. I'm going to exploit the market. I'm going to trade down from 104 to 106, secure Brock Bowers, secure Malik Neighbors, whatever guy I can get there and pocket. Even if it's just a second round pick, I already value those guys straight up over Jaden Daniels anyway. And I might get a lot more than that because he is a quarterback and he would have a lot of open market value. So again, just because I took Bowers over Daniels here, I probably wouldn't do that straight up face value in an actual rookie draft. I would probably just trade down.
1: Yeah, if you're in a relatively active room, like you're you're gonna be, be getting a significant plus to move off of Jaden Daniels simply because there's gonna be people higher than him uh, on him than us uh, comparatively, and also I mean the second overall draft capital. Like you said, I would not be shocked if he had a second overall ADP uh, going into the cycle. I really do think his floor might even be three based off what I'm seeing right now in terms of talk between him between May. Like people are souring on May for no reason. People are hyping up Jaden Daniels, and all, all I'm gonna say right now is if in your rookie draft you can get Drake May after Jaden Daniels, call it the seal of the draft.
0: Yeah, literally. It's the same situation that some people would have said about CJ Stroud versus Anthony Richardson. And even though, like we've said with Jaden Daniels, he Anthony Richardson has held his value because he's a rushing quarterback there's still like, we can't call Anthony Richardson a hit in the NFL yet. Like he hasn't played enough. We haven't seen enough from him to call him a hit. He's just holding his dynasty value because he can run the football. And that's probably what would happen with Jaden Daniels. But for every Anthony Richardson or Justin Fields, there's a Trey Lance who falls out of favor with their team and is no longer a starting quarterback. So his rushing output and what he can do on the ground doesn't mean anything because he's not a starting NFL quarterback. And that's the range of outcomes that you have to think of with Jaden Daniels. You can't just immediately go to he's the next Lamar Jackson. You also got to think of, well, how likely is he that he's the next Trey Lance? So we've talked enough about Jaden Daniels. Let's roll on to the 107 here. I'm going to go probably with Romo Dunze. I believe he is the best. Uh, available player. And he is still in this kind of like top tier of prospects for me. Don't love the landing spot. He goes to the um, New Orleans saints at 14th overall in this uh, case here. A lot of people have actually comped him to a little bit of a longer Chris Olave. He actually would become his teammate in this scenario, which would be kind of interesting. Don't love the fact that they'd have, you know, Derek Carr trying to support two wide receivers an offense. That's not very, you know, uh, modern. It's not an offense. that's going to throw the ball ball. I don't love this landing spot, but I'm kind of just solely investing, in the talent of a guy like Romo Dunze. And I would imagine in this scenario, he might actually slide beyond 107, maybe 108, 109 is where you would get him in an actual rookie draft with these types of landing spots.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I mean, Romo Dunze, obviously not not the ideal landing spot there, landing with the Saints, but you're trusting the uh, the talent profile and the talent profile tells you that he's a top seven overall player in this class. I was actually, so I was like looking around like when you were about to make the pick because I was curious what direction you would go. Ah, uh, Romo Dunze obviously a better overall prospect, but landing with this, uh, you know, relatively worse uh, landing spot here with the Saints versus the quarterback equity we saw going 13th overall to the Las Vegas Raiders and my eighth overall pick in this rookie draft, JJ McCarthy of my Michigan Wolverines. And it's so funny because we're looking at 13th overall, and as a Michigan fan, if you had told me after the national championship, national championship that JJ McCarthy would be valued as the 13th overall pick in uh, the NFL draft. I would have been, you know, let's go. Like, my guy that's hype, like, I want to see him go in the first round. But at this point, man, it really seems like 13th overall is going to be the floor of where this guy goes. Like, I've seen multiple reports of, like, the Vikings trading up or even the Raiders themselves trading up, the Broncos trading up. It's really going to be fascinating on draft day to see where the McCarthy pillar kind of lands in the NFL draft. I think it's going to happen sometime in the top 15, specifically in this landing spot, landing with the Las Vegas Raiders there, landing with a solid wide receiver core. With J.J. McCarthy, I mean, there's going to be cons to his games in terms of the overall volume that we saw on display at Michigan, never really having to carry his offense. But the pros, obviously, working in a pro system, showing natural accuracy, showing above-average tools, and he is the youngest quarterback in this class. So at 108 overall, I'm really betting on this guy getting that full four or five years of his rookie deal and potentially blossoming into one of the better quarterbacks in the league.
0: Given the landing spots of some of these wide receivers, I would let JJ tumble down the board. In my opinion, I'm lower sure. on him than you, which is understandable. Again, we're not going to rehash all the same, you know, debates that we've had on every one of these prospects so far. But for me, I mean, I see some just absolutely nuts landing spots for some of these wide receivers. Sure. So if I were drafting this rookie class, I would probably want McCarthy closer to the one eleven, one twelve 111, 112 area, because I do think there's two or three wide receivers that are better options, at least uh, at this point in time. So I have a hard debate here because It's one thing to just, you know, trust your evaluation and go with the guy that you think is a better player. It's another thing to respect the draft capital. So the guys that I would be between here would be a guy like Xavier Worthy at uh, goes in the 60th overall pick to the Buffalo Bills. The absolute nuts landing spot for him. He would replace Gabe Davis. He'd be on the outside with a deep, accurate quarterback like Josh Allen, who wants to push the ball down the field. At the same time, Brian Thomas Jr., Keon Coleman, they went in the first round. You have to respect the draft capital to some degree. Again, this would probably be another situation. If I was picking 109, I would have Xavier Worthy ranked here, but I would probably trade down to 110, 111 if possible, if somebody wanted to come get ahead of me to take Brian Thomas Jr., to take Keon Coleman, to take whatever player that they're looking for, maybe RB1, because we actually have some good draft capital on these guys. So I'm actually going to go with Xavier Worthy as my highest ranked player here, but. In a real rookie draft, I would probably try and maneuver the board a little bit here and try and get him at 111, 112, 201, wherever he's actually ended up going.
1: Yeah, and I'm, uh, th- don't mind me, this is just me, just me sprinting up to the podium because I'm going <laughs> to slam the name down. On Brian Thomas Jr. going 17th overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the big difference here is that our evaluation on Brian Thomas is kind of night and day. He's my wide receiver four. He's your wide receiver 11. So a little bit of a discrepancy there. But I think we can both agree that landing 17th overall to the Jaguars would be a very, very good landing spot for Brian Thomas big athletic vertical wide receiver can affect all three levels. And I really do think he's got the makings to potentially be the future number one for Trevor Lawrence for the long term. So getting him here at the 110, I really like that value on Brian Thomas.
0: Yeah, perfect compliment to Christian Kirk too. You'd probably assume that Ridley moved on in free agency and Christian Kirk's going to work the underneath. Brian Thomas is going to work over the top. Trevor Lawrence is a great deep passer. Didn't have a great year last year, but he should be able to rebound there. So yeah, that's why I'm like, you know, I'd be caught between Xavier Worthy and Brian Thomas because both of them got great landing spots in this situation. It's not me simply valuing the Bills over the Jaguars, even though I think they're a better landing spot. It's that I value Worthy over... Brian Thomas in a vacuum in terms of a talent perspective. And they both got basically nuts landing spots for what they do very well. So the next picks that I would have kind of, to decide between here again, we're starting to factor in the running backs a little earlier than we normally would have to, because they all got really good draft capital and I would be caught. I think I'm actually going to go with a running back here. I'd be caught between my RB one and my RB two. Jonathan Brooks running back from Texas right now is the best running back in this class. However, he also was coming off of a torn ACL. So his value insulation might be a little bit, Um, shaky in his rookie season. If he's not on the field right away or whatever the case is, he does go 39th overall to the New York giants, which is bodes very, very well, for his fantasy outlook and how much investment they would have into him, given this scenario. But I am going to go with the guy with the better landing spot with similar talent profile, in my opinion. And I don't even know, is he even in the the sleeper AI yeah, right now? He, he is, is now. He's all the way, he's all the way down here. Jalen Wright running back from Tennessee. I think he is a fun, fun prospect, man. We oh, haven't yeah. had a chance to talk about a lot of these running backs so we can spend some time on them. Jalen Wright, I comped him actually to Tony Pollard. So it's ironic that he is, com- he is replacing Tony Pollard in this scenario because like Tony Pollard, he's fast, he's explosive, he's great in space, he's a good receiver, he's very, very physical, tough. he's great through contact, and he's great at making people miss. All of those traits line up to somebody that is going to be a great fantasy asset. Running backs in general are very dependent on landing spot, the offensive line, and such that they're running behind. So you put them in the Dallas Cowboys offense, I trust their offensive line, I trust their scoring ability. You put a guy that is a raw, you know, do-it-all athlete in that situation, he might have some bumps and bruises along the road, but I think by the end of his rookie season, he could be producing like an RB1 in fantasy. As we t- talked about all off season going into the year, Tony Pollard had the nuts set up for him. All he had to do was not be historically inefficient and he would have been a top five running back in fantasy this year. So you get some fresh legs coming in with Jalen Wright. And I would be really, really excited about this from a redraft and a dynasty perspective.
1: Yeah. I want to say last year, Tony Pollard had like negative seven or negative eight rushing touchdowns over expected, meaning that he was expected to rush in seven or eight more touchdowns than he actually did, which is crazy because that second round valuation we had on Tony Pollard coming into the year. Could have been right. Now he's known as one of the bigger busts in fantasy this past season. But if he was just more efficient on the goal line, like we could have been talking about the RB4 overall in fantasy. Obviously, Jalen Wright landing on my favorite team. I would love it. Smash bot. I have him comp to a guy like Travis Etienne. So similar archetype, you know, explosive running back that can contribute on all three downs. I really do think that can be the ceiling outcome for a guy like Jalen Wright landing here, top 60 overall draft capital to the Dallas Cowboys. I really don't think you could, if you're a Jalen Wright fan, ask for anything more than that.
0: Yeah, no, th- this would be. I-, I think it's unrealistic. I don't think he's going to go this high in the draft. I think he's going to be more of a third, fourth round NFL draft pick. We're talking about this guy in the mid to late second round, but I have him valued as like a top 50 player in this class because I do believe, especially given the landscape of the running back position right now, dude, like midway through his rookie season, he'd be a top five dynasty running back, and it wouldn't shock me on this landing spot because there's not a whole lot of guys that command that type of insulated value at the running back position. So you get a second round draft pick guy to the Dallas Cowboys for the next three to four years, he's going to be a course RB one. I'd be really, really excited about that. So closing out the uh, first round, what are you looking at here?
1: I mean, same rationale for why you took Jalen, Wright. I'm going to be going with Jonathan Brooks. You mentioned him as being the best running back in the class. I would tend to agree. Um, Aaron Jones is uh, the one that jumps out to you. Very, very explosive player. Very, very instinctual runner. Obviously the ACL tear is going to scare some people, but if it didn't scare the New York giants off of taking him 39th overall, it shouldn't really be scaring us as dynasty players
0: yeah yeah I think it's a great landing spot for him as well because we know Brian Dayball have you know you would imagine that they would move on from Saquon Barkley in this situation they would probably tag and trade him or let him walk in free agency whatever the case is and they draft the young guy to come in and just be the workhorse of this team and I think Brooks is capable of doing that he has a skill set that works on all three downs like you said him and Blake Corum were like two of the best in terms of instincts of running the ball patience you know changing up tempos in between the rushing lanes both of them can do that very very well and Brooks has the athleticism has the receiving chops to be able to develop into a three down uh running back so again we're seeing an interesting dynamic in this rookie draft that we're not seeing in other rookie drafts where we actually have great draft capital good landing spots for these running backs and it's kind of pushing other talented players down the board which if you had a early second round rookie pick in a class like this with this landing spot and draft capital you'd be absolutely ecstatic to take first round Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver Keon Keon Coleman. Coleman here at the 201 who would probably have gone 108, 109, 110 if we didn't have these high-end running backs to deal with. So, I mean, Keon Coleman, a lot of people uh, didn't like the landing spot, didn't like the prospect when we talked about this last time because I believe this is the same landing spot that we had with the Kansas City Chiefs. But in this scenario, I believe they trade up for them to 25th overall. Obviously, they're picking 32nd, having won the Super Bowl and Keon Coleman has a more refined skill set. I think that people realize everybody looks at his highlight tape and sees a basketball player playing wide receiver. Who's going to go up and get contested catches. That's his best trait. Don't get me wrong. He has really good hands and he's great in contested situations, but there is a lot of meat left on the bone for Keon Coleman to develop into a, a refined route runner because he has the athleticism laterally, not just vertically, um, you know, speed wise yeah. and, you know, a vertical ability jumping. He has the ability to develop into a number one or a great number two wide receiver along with a guy like Rasheed Rice. So I think a lot of people would be out on Keon Coleman, just given the prospect profile that we have here. But dude, the guy's like one of the youngest receivers in this class. He has a lot, a lot left on the bone to develop.
1: Yeah. For those of you that are worried that he's not a finished product yet, um, it just kind of baffles me because those same people will go out and talk about how good George Pickens is. And if Keon Coleman ends up reaching his first year, second year projection, which I really do think is the range of outcomes, it's going to be like a George Pickens type of player. Big vertical outside wide receiver is going to make his fair share of spectacular catches. And if he can really refine his overall route tree, we could be looking at a number two wide receiver, potentially going on a number one alpha for the future, which I feel like it's about the the expectation people have for George Pickens. I feel like we should share with Keon, with Keon Coleman.
0: Yeah, totally makes some sense for me there. I'm a little higher on Keon Coleman because I was lower on George Pickens and I view him kind of as a guy that made me look a little stupid. I'm kind of seeing the the Keon Coleman, George Pickens yeah. comparison play itself out because um, George Pickens did have underrated nuance in college. He did have the ability to develop a little bit more because he was really young coming out and he also had the ACL tear that kind of disrupted his development a little bit. I think Keon Coleman is a guy that, He's definitely has a low floor. He could really miss in the NFL, but I would be really surprised if he didn't at least give you a fair shot going to the Kansas city chiefs and having that offense and that receiver room to be able to develop him. Uh, into a better player. So again, there's still loaded, loaded amount of talent on the board right now. We have uh, a early first or early second round quarterback here with Bo Nix going to the Vikings. We still have a first round tight end with Jatavian Sanders going to uh, the Miami Dolphins. Uh, A.D. Mitchell gets top 40 draft capital to the commanders. Blake Corum went top 35 to the Patriots here. Um, uh, Lad McConkey goes at the end of the second round to the Detroit Lions, Troy Franklin to the Ravens. So a lot of available talent here. Which way are you going?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's a bunch of names that we could be going with. Obviously, Troy Franklin going 62 to the Ravens, very enticing. Lad McConkey going to the Detroit Lions at 61. Not necessarily sure how I feel about that fit, considering that I feel like his best utilization would be kind of in the Monra role, and obviously you're not taking a Monra out for Lad McConkey to play that on the Lions. So I'd probably favor Franklin to him straight up because of that. And with that being said, he will be my pick here at the 202. Now people might look at the Baltimore Ravens landing spot thing well, lower passing volume. We saw last year, even in the Lamar MVP year, there wasn't really a big explosive play outside of Zay Flowers. And I would argue that adding Troy Franklin as a compliment to Zay Flowers would be very nice. Having that, you know, around the line of scrimmage, do it all, yak wide receiver, which is what Zay Flowers represents, and adding next to him a refined route runner six foot three with burners that Troy Franklin represents would basically like be like plugging in, in my opinion, my comp form is a guy like Calvin Ridley, plugging in a guy like Calvin Ridley to that Baltimore offense. And I really do think, is it the chicken or the egg? Are they not throwing because of Lamar Jackson? Are they not throwing because they didn't have weapons? Well, we saw this past year with Todd Monkin that it was the latter. They were throwing the ball this year more with Todd Monken than they had in previous years. So let's add a number, another wide receiver to support Lamar Jackson on his potential second back-to-back MVP campaign.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I really like that pick. I probably would have gone in the same direction there. So, uh, Troy yeah. Franklin to the Ravens. I think that's a pretty good fit again, still a lot of talent available on the board. I like AD Mitchell going to the commanders. I'm not a huge, huge fan of Jaden Daniels, the passer, which is why I'm probably not going to go with him in this actual spot here. I yeah. know you just kind of outlined. You don't love the lad McConkey landing spot. He is actually the guy that I'm going to roll with here. I get It's, it. it's like, oh, you know, we want Ladd McConkey maybe in the Amon Ra role to get the most out of him. But I think if you can use these guys interchangeably and McConkey yeah. more so even than Amon Ra can play on the outside because he has the speed to be able to threaten a defense vertically. I actually think this is a really, really underrated landing spot. If you kind of put him in like the Josh Reynolds role a little bit, I think he could be a ton of fun and we know the things that Jared Goff does well and the things that Dan Campbell and Ben Johnson scheme up well is like you know getting a lot of short passes involved getting a lot of you know horizontal concepts and this is just another weapon to fit what they do well you run the ball very well you're able to stretch a defense vertically with Jamison Williams and now Ladd McConkey as well this kind of completes their offense to be honest I think it's an underratedly good landing spot for a guy like Ladd McConkey, and also too you just feel good investing in this offense in general especially when the play in lad mcconkey is a talented dude so i actually really kind of like this landing spot sure. for uh, a lad mcconkey at 203
1: fair and it's funny because for what it's worth lad is my wide receiver five your wide receiver six troy is my wide receiver six your we wide receiver five i just kind of prefer the ravens landing spot there to the lions comparatively but like you said i mean they both go one spot between each other in this nfl draft too
0: Yeah, I mean, this would be really challenging to work through in terms of an actual rookie draft because between Xavier Worthy, Brian Thomas, Keon Coleman, Troy Franklin, Ladd McConkie, even some of the guys still on the board, A.D. Mitchell um, and some of these other guys. There's not a whole lot separating them in, in my rookie rankings. Like, even though I have Brian Thomas wide receiver 11, like a great landing spot, exactly where he would need to go. Like a place like Jacksonville could vault him all the way up to wide receiver four wide receiver five for me, because these guys are separated within like five points of my grading system, even though there's like six, seven, eight wide receivers that we're talking about here. So, um, which direction are you going to roll with here at two, four still, again, a lot of good players on the board.
1: Yeah, a lot of good players, uh, kind of evaluating what direction I want to go. You could be talking about potentially Bo Nix landing in the Will Levis spot last year, going 33rd to the Vikings, and the more I kind of put that in my head, the more I kind of want to go with it. 33rd overall pick, Bo Nix, obviously of the Oregon Ducks, just took his teammate a couple picks ago. People might be saying, well, he didn't go in the first round. Like, you're taking him here. I feel like the 204 is a reasonable spot, and if you took Will Levis at the 1-2 turn last year, He has accumulated dynasty value. The only thing here is that I think Bo Nix is going to have an easier path to the starting role right off the bat. If they're taking him here, I'm assuming they're doing something with Kirk Cousins, whether they're moving on, whether they're trading him, you know, maybe a tag and trade regardless. I don't think Kirk Cousins is going to be on the roster going into next year. If they were to take Bo Nix, you enter Bo Nix. Fits like a glove with Kevin O'Connell, obviously ample receiving talent on the outside there with Justin Jefferson, with Jordan Addison, with TJ Hawkinson when he comes back at tight end. like If you're a Bo Nix fan, you probably couldn't pick a better landing spot for him to land. Obviously, maybe Denver because of the schematic advantages that Sean Payton has with his offense, but in terms of personnel, in terms of good coach, the Vikings are a dream spot for a young quarterback.
0: Yeah. And if he had gone in the first round instead of in the second round, Way I high. probably would have taken him at like one nine, one ten yeah. area because, um, you know, obviously quarterbacks rule all in super flex format. So, yeah, I, I can't say enough good things about Bo Nicks. I was very pleasantly surprised when I watched good his player. And this, again, is a very, very good landing spot for what he does well. So, I believe I am going to uh, go with the last first round player here um, with a Texas tight end, Jatavian Sanders. Now, even though I'm a Texas fan, you guys might assume that I might be a little bit biased or whatever. I actually. I was underwhelmed a little bit with Jatavian Sanders. What I think he does very well, he's a great athlete. I think he has better hands even than Brock Bowers does. He's great in contested situations and, you know, get him the ball in space and he can work after the catch. The problem is that type of utilization for a tight end kind of requires you to have a really good scheme, a really good offensive play caller. Thankfully, he goes to the Miami Dolphins where he does actually have that advantage. He doesn't have a high-end target commanding ability in this situation because Tyreek Hill is obviously a stud, one of the best receivers in the league, and Jalen Waddle can command a lot of targets in his own right. But it's not all that different from what he's been working with at Texas, where he had two alpha number one receivers on the outside that he had to work in, you know, lieu of and kind of get his touches when he could and make the most of them when he could. The thing I worry about is is he going to develop at the next level? Because I think mentally he's a little behind the eight ball. Thankfully, he's a young player. And I think Mike McDaniel could probably coach him up to a high degree. My question would really be here: like, can they integrate a good tight end into this scheme? But of course, Mike McDaniel did come from San Francisco where they had George Kittle working at a highly you know, efficient. Let's when he gets his touches, when he gets his targets, he's going to make the most of them. And maybe Jatavian Sanders could develop into that.
1: Yeah, I'd really be a fan of that. We saw even down the stretch last year that Miami was starting to utilize their tight end uh, with Durham Smythe. Uh, we saw in the Dallas game, for example, getting him down the seam. Uh, Jatavian Sanders, if you can really implement that role and he can really develop from a nuanced standpoint. You could be looking at one of the freakish overall pass catching groups that we've ever seen. Like if J- if J T. Sanders reaches his upper percentile, you're looking at a really good starting tight end. You obviously have the best, arguably wide receiver duo in the league with Jalen Waddle and with Tyree Kill. And if Tua Loa is healthy and he's slinging the rock you're going to be looking at one of the most dangerous offenses in the NFL for the foreseeable future. So like that pick, it's funny because the same team, uh, team five took both tight ends, but don't think of it like that. We're just talking about it overall. So it's not like team five. We're selecting for that position. If you guys are watching, I'm on here at team six, uh, the two Oh six overall. And uh, I'm caught between a a bunch of guys, not like, Ooh, like, Oh, I'm disgusted more like, Ooh, it's a really tough decision. And I'm going to take one that's buried down the board a little bit here. Uh, He's a guy that I trust the evaluation in. When I watched him, I really liked the film that I saw. Older player, late breakout. He's definitely got a lot of warts with his profile, but he does land here 80th overall to one of the nuts landing spots here. Xavier Legette of the South Carolina Gamecocks goes to the Cincinnati Bengals, potential long-term T. Higgins replacement. And I really think that's a good spot for him, landing him in a quarterback with Joe Burrow, landing him in an offense with Zach Taylor. Uh, Like I said, he's an underrated route runner. And if you're thinking about potential impact he can add to this team, Think of kind of what DK Metcalf represents for Seattle. I really do think that if Xavier Leguette can keep developing into that top player we can see him become, he could be a DK Metcalf-level player, which paired with Joe Burrow in the long term is absolutely disgusting.
0: Yeah, that would be that would be a really, really fun landing spot. I'm not gonna lie. It would be hard to not take him higher than that, but you kind of need to respect the draft capital a yeah. little bit more. Like a Agreed. top 80 overall pick versus, you know, a top 50 overall pick. I, I think this is a smidge early for Xavier Leggett, but I right. don't think it's outrageous because like we said, we we were underratedly surprised with how good of a prospect he was on film. Obviously yeah. has a lot of warts on his profile, but good film and a uh, great landing spot could equal something very, very great. And if he were to actually, if this were to play out, we would probably get Xavier to get closer to the late second round. And yeah. I think he would be a great, great value at that point in time. So again, still a lot to choose from. I'm going to roll here with oh, yeah. 207. We'll keep this thing rolling. You could go with the draft capital with a guy like Blake Corum, who went 34th overall for a running back. I mean, we're talking Brees Hall draft capital yeah. with that. Like that is really, really high capital for a running back. I'm actually going to go back to the University of Texas first and go with Adonai Mitchell going 40th overall to the Washington Commanders again. I think Adonai Mitchell is a better prospect than the 207. It's just challenging because he goes to a a pretty crowded landing spot with Terry McLaurin, with Jahan Dotson, an offensive scheme that would be run by uh, Jaden Daniels, who is more of a run first quarterback than a pass first quarterback. But again, at some point, at certain points, you just need to trust the talent evaluation of the player. I worry that Adanae Mitchell, who's kind of a little bit um, apathetic when he's running routes, he doesn't always give it 100% on his effort level, but he has great hands. He's a good athlete. He's a fluid mover for his size. You just got to hope that Jaden Daniels is a hit in the NFL for this pick to happen. Because I think if he's more of your like run first quarterback, doesn't really know how to pass the ball at the next level, I could see Adanae Mitchell getting like disinterested in, de- in developing his game properly, which is my biggest concern with Adanae Mitchell in general. So I would prefer him to go to a situation that's a little bit more fantasy friendly, because I think that would really rise his confidence and make him want to become a better player, which is something that maybe we shouldn't have to worry worry about with pro caliber wide receivers, but it's something I worry about nonetheless.
1: Yeah. For what it's worth, uh, Leggett and, uh, A.D. Mitchell actually have both the same grade for me right now at 82, just kind of preferring the Cincinnati, uh, dry landing spot there versus, uh, the draft capital at play more so too. uh, having a little bit of reservations on, Jaden Daniels being able to support him, being able to support Jahan Dotson, being able to support Terry McLaurin, but who knows, maybe they trade Terry McLaurin, maybe they move on from Curtis Samuel or something this offseason, like, I can see it uh, being the case, but regardless, very talented player deserving of going in this mid-second round, possibly even earlier, so I do like that pick. You mentioned a couple of names. And I think this is going to be where I take Blake Corum. You mentioned the draft capital goes 34th overall to the New England Patriots. In this scenario, keep in mind as well, Justin Fields got traded to the Patriots. So I'm assuming maybe uh, the Patriots, Gerard Mayo, they really want to implement a smash mouth running game. Blake Corum on the goal line. Justin Fields, uh, uh, in terms of being a rushing quarterback, I really... Honestly, that's pretty exciting if you're investing in this rushing offense with Blake Corum, very, very consistent runner, the most instinctual runner in this class, in my opinion. Very, very tough goal line acumen, 27 rushing touchdowns this past year, 18 the year before. Yeah, he's 5'8". Yeah, he's 213 pounds, but this guy runs like the fucking sky is falling. Like he is willing to run between the tackles, pounding it in in short yardage situations. And we've seen it time and time again for my defending national champion, Michigan Wolverines.
0: Yeah, I I literally just finished evaluating him this morning, so yeah. I'm I'm pretty fresh on what Blake Corum does well and I think he summed it up. Pretty good. He's he's a very instinctual runner. He's not the biggest. He's not the strongest. He's not the most elusive, but he does everything pretty much well. And um, Ramondre Stevenson in this situation would only be one more year with the Patriots. He was a fourth round pick in 2021. So he would be a free agent after this year. So if you're worried, oh, I don't think Coram's going to get a huge workload because Stevenson's there, it would probably just be his rookie season that you would have to worry about Ramondre Stevenson. So he would probably be the long-term replacement and the long-term running back that they're looking for there. So again, 34th overall draft capital, you kind of really have to respect that. I do not Think yeah. this would happen for any running back in this I class, agree. um but NFL teams they like winners, they like guys at big schools. It wouldn't shock me if Blake Corum was the first back off the board for that reason and goes as high as the top fifty overall picks for that reason. So I wouldn't do it, but I I will say that the NFL could do it. So uh, I'm I looking agree. on the I'm looking really around the place right now. You could roll with a Michael I know Bennett, going. Jr. who went to the Seahawks with a top fifty pick. You could. I mean, you could go with Braylon Allen if you liked Braylon Allen. I don't, I think he's a horrible prospect and (laughs) it's supremely overrated. And I will go through that as we get through the cycle, but I'm actually going to go with a guy that I believe is probably the second or third running back in this class in terms of overall talent. I'm going to go with Trey Benson who went um, to the Cleveland Browns at 85th overall, again, not the greatest draft capital for a running back, but is pretty solid still. That's about the range of, you know, Tajay Spears went last year and those kind of players. With Trey Benson, I think he does a couple things very, very well. I think he's tremendous through contact and oh, I yeah. think he's also very very elusive he broke a tackle avoided a tackle on almost 50 of his carries last year in 2022 this year was a down number a little bit but he was still over 30 percent. so we're looking at Trey Benson a guy that is a very creative running back he reached a top speed of 22 miles per hour he's six foot one or six foot 215 pounds so he's got the size the speed the creativity he's an okay receiver he's got an underdeveloped game in that area but he can make it happen when he's given opportunities there oh, yeah this in this situation, I mean, you have Nick Chubb coming off of a torn ACL or multi-ligament ACL Terry's He's older. He's on a big contract. This could be like a Benson starts the beginning of the season. Nick Chubb starts to work in as he comes back. And then maybe they move on from Nick Chubb after 2024. um, And then Trey Benson is the guy going forward. That's kind of the the range of outcomes that you're looking for here. And with Trey Benson, I mean, you're talking about a guy that's comparable to a Javante Williams, to a Zach Charbonnet, somebody that both of those guys were also drafted to situations where there was another back involved early on in their career. And I could see Trey Benson having the same kind of trajectory in his career.
1: Yeah, with Trey Benson. So, my conform is Josh Jacobs. Obviously, you can make the case Josh Jacobs was a more instinctual runner coming out, had better vision. But in terms of ability in the open field, Trey Benson is eerily reminiscent of what I saw from Josh Jacobs over these past few years. Um, yeah, he is. Going to be in contention from rb everyone overall in the class, but him falling to 85th overall him falling with the Cleveland Browns there, obviously Nick Chubb coming back from his knee injury, Jerome Ford showing good in some Spurs does have him fall down the board a little bit here. But if he went in like the Blake quorum spot or the Jonathan Brooks spot or the Jalen Wright spot, like his name would be called much earlier than it is here at the 208 or 209. Sorry.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we still have a ton of guys on the board oh, here yeah. that were top fifty picks, top one hundred picks. A um, couple prospects that we still really like. What are you going to roll with here at the two ten? Um, keep in mind, we will only have like three picks left, and then we'll kind of rattle off some honorable mentions.
1: Yeah. So, um, I process wise, you're probably saying, "Oh, you got to take Michael Penix Jr., quarterback, top fifty, whatever goes to Seattle." They ended up, uh, I believe, activating a clause on on Geno Smith that basically ensures that he's going to be back this upcoming year. So going to lean away from that because I do see a potential running back that could work for a role right off the bat and this potential a, a potentially a seamless replacement for the guy he's landing to here. Audrick estimate goes to the Arizona Cardinals in the third round here obviously going to be behind James Conner in the early portion but I really do think that once he's able to overcome James Conner we could be looking at one of the premier rushers in the NFL, big fiscal running back between the tackles. It's kind of funny because when you think about, you know, Jonathan Gannon, defensive head coach, they always seem to want these big Batteringham type of running backs, which I really do think would be a perfect fit with SME landing here. They already added, of course, in the NFL draft, Malik neighbors. You already have Kyler Murray. I think this can be one of the better offenses in the NFL. And we've seen that when James Conner's been healthy, he's been a legit RB2 in worse offensive situations. So plugging in Malik Neighbors, healthy Kyler Murray, Audrick Estimate potentially taking that role from James Conner, you could argue looking back that the 210 might be a steal for him if he ends up by year two being the starting running back for the Cardinals.
0: Yeah, my comp form, I graded him uh, two days ago was uh, David Montgomery. I, I yep. think in addition to the physical rushing nature that you get from a guy who's you know, 5'11", 227 listed, probably closer to 220, but still very, very yeah. solid size profile. I was caught between David Montgomery and Tyler Algier for my comp form because I think he runs physical, he runs strong, but he also has some underrated wiggle for a bigger back. I think he has great vision. His ability, or his ability to cut back when you know lanes are opening up, he had great anticipation when he was running too. Yep. He kind of could see when lanes were about to open up before they actually did. He was second in the country this year with a 94 rushing grade. And this is an offense where, you know, if you can run physically downhill, Kyler Murray and Malik neighbors would be able to do the rest. And like you said, we've seen James Conner produce in this situation in worse offenses with lesser talent around him. So I actually really, really like this spot for Audrick Esme. And this would be, you know, a great spot to get some good value on the running back position mid
1: to late second round. If this is how the NFL draft actually shook out. Yeah, no, I completely agree. But you are back on the clock there with the 211. Uh, the penultimate pick, where are you leaning?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a number of different directions you could go. I mean, if we're looking at prospect profiles, like the best prospect I think that's still on the board right now is probably like Tez Walker going 68th overall to the New England Patriots. I think Johnny Wilson going 46th overall to the Colts kind of just totally strikes me as like another Alec Pierce type of draft pick that the Colts make. Are they, where they moving draft him to tight end? Yeah. Yeah, big. Yeah, is he going to play tight end? Is he going to play wide receiver? Um, we have no idea at this point in time. So I could go in that direction. Maybe they moved on from Michael Pittman, and that's why they drafted a receiver in the top fifty. I'm not really sure what they'd be thinking with that pick. I am actually gonna I'm gonna roll with Tez Walker here to the, uh, the yeah. New England Patriots. I don't again. I don't love the landing spot. I don't think it's a great um, landing spot, uh, especially knowing how they kind of refashion this offense in this draft, getting Justin Fields, drafting Blake Corum. It's probably a very run heavy scheme that they're looking at, but if Tez Walker can develop into anything further than a downfield weapon, like he is right now, then he has virtually no target competition in the intermediate and deep areas of the field. It's pretty much just, you know, pop Douglas there right now, and he's more of your shorter target. So I don't love the prospect. I don't love the landing spot either, but I'll go with Tez Walker here with a top 70 draft back to the Patriots.
1: Yeah, no, I I dig that. I think that's a good spot for him uh, at, at this current juncture. Getting him at the 211, uh, I, I'm all for it. Uh, now, in terms of his overall film, I feel like he was r- less refined despite being older than some of the other big wide receivers in this class. But at the 211, getting uh, a guy like this who can fit right off the bat in that New England Patriots offense sign me the heck up. So uh, I'm at the 212 here. A lot of names that we're considering here. You mentioned Johnny Wilson probably wouldn't be in consideration for me. The main names I'm looking at are probably going to be Roman Wilson. The only problem is that Roman Wilson obviously lands with the New York Giants. They have basically a billion, you know, vertical slot wide receiver archetypes, it feels like on that team. So may not go that direction. You're looking at Malachi Corley landing the Falcons, a lot of weapons on that offense. And uh, Malachi Corley, I just don't really think is a good fit to potentially get volume there. So uh, a little bit worried there. Oh, I think I'm going to land back on the top 60 draft capital. You mentioned that we weren't biggest fans of Braylon Allen, but he lands 58th overall, goes top 60 to, funny enough, the comp of him, the team that took his comp, Green Bay Packers taking A.J. Dillon a few years ago. He would just seamlessly be the A.J. Dillon replacement on this team. Aaron Jones, aging running back. You can move on from A.J. Dillon, I believe, after this upcoming season. And I'm assuming the rationale here, if you're taking him top 60, is that he can fill in that A.J. Dillon role. So, again, not the biggest fan of the player himself. Really don't feel like he has a, a big trait going his way. A lot of people will say he's a big physical running back, but I really didn't see the physicality element to his game that I expected coming in. But he lands top 60, so therefore he goes at the 212. Yeah, the way I would describe Braylon Allen's
0: play style is he kind of plays like all of the worst qualities of Najee Harris, where Najee yeah. Harris at times thinks that he is a five foot 10, 195 pound running back by trying to make people miss and outrun them, even though he's big. And you're like, dude, just truck somebody, just stiff arm somebody. (laughs) And that's the way that I look at Braylon Allen. There's times where he does that, but he doesn't always play that consistent. And also for a guy of that stature level to get knocked around and moved off your spot as easily as he does. It's so disappointing, man. Like, I was so excited to watch Braylon Allen because I'm like, yes, we got a guy with size. We got maybe the next Ramondre Stevenson, maybe even the next Derrick Henry in terms of a size profile. And I watched a worse version of A.J. Dillon, basically.
1: Yeah, it it was funny. He doesn't make anybody miss. The receiving ability is just not there at all. Like, yes, he's got the size working to him. But like you said, I saw multiple occasions in the Ohio State games, respectively, Uh, the 2023 one in particular where he was getting squared up by 220-pound linebackers, squared up by 200-pound safeties. I think he fumbled twice in the first two minutes of that game when I was watching it, which is just... like Smaller defenders should not be be uh, being able to get you off your spot like that and cause you to fumble when you're a 240-pound running back. If you were to tell Derrick Henry that a 200-pound safety lit him up and made him fumble... He'd probably laugh in your face. Like, that's the mentality I want from these bigger running backs. And I didn't really see it with Braylon Allen. Now people are going to say, well, he's a younger running back. Maybe he can develop that. That's not really something you're taught. Like, you need that mentality as a physical runner. Otherwise, you're just not going to have it, which is what I think the case is for Braylon Allen. Um, Yeah, it, it, it was really unremarkable when i was watching him i'm not going to lie like i thought i would be seeing a better player 2022 he looked like a better athlete but the same physical uh, physical nature that i expected coming in never really materialized
0: Yeah. And Audrick Estame is like three months older than him. So he's really, really young as well. And he actually has that mentality of I'm going to run through you and I'm going to bowl you over. And he's 15 pounds lighter than Braylon Allen, even though he's still a big back and a physical back. So it's funny that I literally watched those guys back to back. And I was like, okay, I know Braylon Allen is the dude that, should be doing this, and Audrick Estime is the guy that's actually doing it, and it's reflective in a lot of their metrics: their break, broken tackle percentage, their PFF rushing grades, all that kind of stuff. Estime blows him out of the water in that stuff.
1: Well, the last thing I'll leave it on Braylon Allen, and if you guys are Braylon Allen uh, fans, in the comments, feel free to leave it down below why you what you guys saw in his film uh, in relation to potential NFL uh, success. But the main thing that I kept thinking of, and it's a quote from Draft Day, and I'm sure you know exactly which one I'm going to bring out. Looks like Tarzan plays like Jane. It applies to Braylon Allen.
0: Yeah, no, literally. It's 100% accurate. And please, if you are Braylon Allen fans and all you do is watch highlight tapes on him, please don't comment anything down below. If you've actually dug into his film and you saw... Um, You know, the inverse of what we're talking about, please point me to the game specifically that you watched that made you think that way, because I watched five games on Braylon Allen praying that he would show me something and I couldn't find it anywhere. So yeah. um, Braylon Allen, very disappointing running back prospect in this class. And I do not think he will go top two round in the NFL draft. I think the dynasty community is way higher than yeah. the NFL on Braylon Allen. I think he's like a four fifth sixth round pick in the NFL draft. And this is the next Zach Evans that we're talking about. Where the dynasty community thinks he should be like the 202 in rookie drafts, and he's going to end up being a fourth round rookie pick because he goes
1: in round six. The only reason I even took him at the 212 is respecting the draft capital. And if he has one good game where he fills in for Aaron Jones, I know I can sell him for more than anybody on the board.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we didn't get to Michael Penix. We didn't get to Johnny Wilson. We didn't get to uh, Ben Sinnott, who actually went at the end of the second round to the 49ers. We didn't get to Roman Wilson, like you mentioned, Theo Johnson, Malachi Corley. Cade Stover, Malik names. Washington, who actually Malik Washington really popped in the video I did yesterday. Um, so I'm interested to watch him once we get the first edition of our draft guide out mm-hmm. on February 19th, which of course is available on flock fantasy. Uh, Ricky Pearsall is getting some hype as well. He goes at the end of the third round to the Niners, kind of like, Uh, Danny Gray-esque, which is kind of funny. That's like the same team that drafted Danny Gray. And then (laughs) Marshawn Lloyd, I actually really like that fit for my Buccaneers. We need an early down guy to compliment Rashad White and Marshawn Lloyd would be the perfect guy to do that. So again, that is the end of the mock. Appreciate you guys for sticking around to the end. Leave a like down below if you enjoyed. Subscribe to the channel if you guys are new around here and make sure again, our draft guide will be live in a couple of days from now. We have write-ups on all of the top 30 prospects. We'll have our top 30 overall rankings, top six quarterbacks, top two tight ends, you know, 15 or so wide receivers and running backs combined there. And then also we will have a second edition of the draft guide coming out with sleepers with all that good stuff. And then of course on flock fantasy, when you sign up with promo code FSE, you'll get first priority to dynasty decisions. You get a seven day free trial, 30% off any of the packages, six months for free. If you sign up annually, all of our bonus content, all of our dynasty content, the wide receiver draft class database, the quarterback draft class database, the running back draft class database all live right now on the site. So if that interests you check it out down below in the description or in the pin comment. But with that being said, peace out.